0: Hi, Pastor Steve here. I am super excited to welcome all of you to our brand new message series entitled, Parables, Life Lessons from Jesus. Now, a parable is a simple story illustrating a moral or a spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Friends, in the history of mankind, there has never been a more masterful storyteller than Jesus Christ. He taught thousands of people from everyday walk of life during his earthly ministry. He conveyed life-changing truths through vivid word pictures, also known as parables. Now, this weekend, to kick off our brand new series, I wanna welcome back my dear friend, Pastor Brett Fuller. I believe that Pastor Brett is one of the great pastors and communicators in the church world today, he's the founding pastor of Grace Covenant, a multi site church based in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Pastor Brett is not only a pastor, but he's a leader, an educator, an author, husband, father of seven. That's right, seven, and grandfather. You're gonna love the message today. It is truly a privilege to have Pastor Brett with us again. And by the way, I'll be back with you all next weekend for the next parable in this series. So, everyone, do me a favor. Let's all stand up on our feet right now. Let's put our hands together and give Pastor Brett Fuller a huge Church of the King welcome. Yeah!
1: I love your pastor. I love his wife, family, and you. The staff here is not only worthy of commendation, but of mention on a regular basis for their continual faithfulness to the community. Pastor Steve was actually in Washington this week, so he preached at the church I helped to found, and then we spent some time, my wife and I, with he and Jennifer, had a great time. One of my best friends is Steve Robinson. So I'm glad to be with you this week. And I am, it's an unusual thing when you have a guest pastor lead off on a series. Usually the pastor does that, and then you fold in somebody else. But Pastor Steve said, Brett, you do it. I said, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. So, but I love talking on the parables. Because the parables teach lessons from so many different perspectives. And you get to see something of the heart of Christ with respect to his perspective on who needed to hear what. The reason he taught in parables was to give life lessons and to teach the kind of information that would be palatable and digestible to people who really didn't understand a whole lot about kingdom principles. I mean, you've got the greatest theologian who ever lived. Nobody better. And he starts off by saying, by the way, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went out to sow seed agrarian terms. Why? Because he wanted to make sure that people could get very huge and important big concepts in their world. And so the parables are those which allow people who probably don't have a seminary degree, may not have gone to Bible school, and and missed a lot of synagogues on Saturday. They can understand what spiritual principles were supposed to do for them. And for those who were more high-minded, they put things aside because they didn't think this wasn't a very important lesson so they didn't get what Jesus was saying and so the disciples said why do you speak in parables so much he said so that those who are hearing don't and those who can't will so he hid some things from those who seem like they should get it and he revealed some things from those who seemed like they shouldn't these are what the parables did And so I'm privileged to be able to be with you tonight to talk to you about some very important stories. Welcome to you who are online. Good day to you. Glad you're here. Turn with me over to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 through 32. Matthew 13, verses 31 through 32. The title of the message is Mustard Seed Influence, Seen Big in Small. Seen big in small. Matthew 13, Jesus is speaking, and he says, it says, he presented another parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And it's smaller, verse 32, than all the other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Lord, help us as we study your word. Two things in this passage about which I want to speak, one the sower, the other the seed. Now, Jesus is contextualizing most of the parables, not all, but most, and you can almost, uh, th- th- there are probably eight main parables, and then there are some other ones that seem like parables, but they're really not. We wouldn't call uh, you are the salt of the earth a parable, but it's very uh, relatable and, and, and something that the people of the day would understand. But. Um, but it, it fits in the category, so you can enlarge the idea of what a parable is as Jesus gives metaphors and not just stories. But here we see him talking about, when he specifically mentions parables, about the kingdom. And the kingdom is a marvelous concept. The kingdom is much bigger than the church. Now, I love the church, I spent 40 some odd years helping to build the church. I came to Washington, D.C. in 1982 to help plant the church that I pastored for another 30-some-odd years. I have planted congregations because I believe so much in the church. We've got seven total in the Washington metropolitan area, and then another seven outside of that, L.A., Las Vegas, excuse me, L.A., Phoenix, Denver, other places, Vietnam. And so I believe in the church. It is it is the best solution for the world because it is the place where you find the concentration of all kingdom principles intended to be lived out and fleshed through people. There's to be no dilution of truth found in the church. That's where you need to get all of what you need in order to understand what you need to do and how you need to be. The church is God's answer for the world. It's the best way he can reflect who he is to the world. Yet, There are more ways to do it other than just the church. When John the Baptist came, he didn't say the church is at hand. Jesus mimicked, parroted exactly what John said. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what John said, but Jesus didn't say the church is at hand. Both of them said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And why? Because the kingdom is much broader than the church. The kingdom is that which represents God's rule wherever he wants to be. And generally speaking, he is best carried by his people. Not just by principles, but by his people who can reflect his goodness to folks that don't know anything about it. And so the kingdom can be expressed in your school. The kingdom can be expressed in your sports team. The kingdom can be expressed in your, 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 your bridge tournament. The kingdom can be expressed wherever you are in the grocery store. When you go out to eat, it is my practice. When I finish eating at at, at a restaurant, before the server takes my credit card, I say, by the way, as you're you're taking it, is there anything we can pray for you about? Pardon me? Yeah, anything at all that, that I can pray for you about? Uh. Yeah, this and that and this and that. And they think I'm going to pray later. <laughs> I say, I got it. Let me pray for you right now. Give me your hand. I pray no, no longer than 15 seconds. It's not a moment to preach the gospel because they're working. I don't have enough time to lead them to Jesus as they're working and trying to take my check. But I can bring them into the kingdom. I can be the doorway through which they can experience God like they've never done before. And so I pray for them right there at 15th. Lord, I'm asking you to meet their need. Come and be God to them and reveal yourself to them in a special way through this so that they can serve you well. Generally speaking, the response for the server is tears. They've never had anybody bring the kingdom in the restaurant. The kingdom is bigger than the church. I didn't preach a message to them. I didn't ask him to tithe. I didn't take him to next steps. All I did was bring something that allowed them to feel the presence of almighty God and his rulership in that environment, which generally is foreign to that. And so the kingdom, the kingdom is much bigger and you don't have to have all the chapters and verses You don't have to have all the the processes through which people need to come into into a relationship with God. Listen, Jesus, Jesus is so good at hearing what we don't say. Either side of the cross, two criminals, Jesus in the middle, one criminal not happy with Jesus because he realizes if he is a man, he can do something about his own fate and theirs. If you are who you say you are, get down off this cross and take us with you. The other criminal says, "Hey, shut up! We deserve this. He doesn't." Um, by the way, when uh, when when you like when you come in your when you come in your kingdom, um. Could you could you like rem- remember me? Now, that dude has some revelation, number one. Anybody who's on a cross is dying. And those who die get put in a grave. And very few had an idea about what kingdom looks like after death. So when this guy says, when you come in your kingdom, he knows something that the other guy didn't know. In fact, he knew something that most people didn't know. And he said, I'd like to participate in where you're going. (laughs) He didn't say... Forgive me for all my sin. I am a sinner. Please, would you let all that I've done wrong be absolved right now that I might come into your glorious place. All the right words weren't with this criminal, but Jesus heard what he didn't say. As a result, Jesus said to him, today, not next week, not at the resurrection of all, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Jesus Is somebody who's trying to figure out how to reach people best. And sometimes the church may not be all that is best to reach the people in your world. It doesn't mean that when you reach them, that's where they need to stay. They need to get in here. But the doorway through which they come may not be next steps. It may not be a Sunday morning. People have ideas about what Sunday morning is. They've got all these prejudices and and wrong thoughts. And so God wants to figure out how you can be a representative of his kingdom with all, without all the trappings that they have in their mind. Bring them into the kingdom and then let the goodness of God allow them to come all the way into the church. <clears throat> Jesus is not just presenting the church here. He says the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, what he is constructing and what he brings are two different things. He's bringing the kingdom. He's constructing the church after people get in the kingdom. I will build my church in the gates of death, Hades, will not prevail against it. He's a both hand. I'm trying to reach people as best I can with my rulership and my goodness. And then when I get them, I'm going to bring them into this thing I'm constructing for their benefit. But we got to start with kingdom. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. We're going to talk about the sower. We're going to talk about the seed. Wow. The sower, he says, went and took the seed. And the word there, took, is a word in the Greek lambano, which means to grab and to seize with force. Listen to me. If you want to be somebody who is participating in the kingdom, you're going to have to grab it. You're going to have to seize it. You're going to have to reach out and get it. And that process looks something like this. First, you hear and listen. There are a lot of people who hear things, but they don't listen. Like your children. You're just background noise to them. And I hope I'm not to you. That you are really here in order to hear fully what God has to say. It's important that you take what you are hearing now and say, I'm going to put this thing into practice. I can't do it now because he hadn't stopped talking. But I plan to make sure that I am listening well enough where I can rehearse this in my brain over and over again. That I might be somebody who can put the things that he's saying into practice. Boy, you've been pastored. Well, you understand what the meditation of the word is supposed to do for you. And how God told Joshua, meditate in this word day and night that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Joshua 1.8. How often day and night I have yet to find the time between those two. It's always one or the other. We are supposed to be meditating in this word regularly. You need to make the Word your best friend because in the Word is Him. You cannot separate the person of God from what He says. And He has given you His Word not that you can be smarter about it. Don't be smarter, please. He's given you His Word so you can know Him. Have a relationship with Him. You need to meditate in this Word daily. Now, that doesn't mean you need to become irrelevant. You're just quoting Scripture every place you go. You wind up being somebody that nobody wants to be around because all you do is say chapter and verse. That's not it. You've got to be somebody who can appeal to others without being religious. But it's important that this word is so much a part of you that your personality and the person of Christ are inseparable. And you become so attractive to others that don't know anything about how to live this thing because the fruit of your life is so wonderful and theirs is so messed up. They say, give me what you got. That's what meditation of the word does. The concept is that you you, you not only think about it, but you say it. You are grabbing a hold of this word with all of your soul by listening well and then rehearsing what you hear on a regular basis. Memorizing it. Putting it into practice on, your, uh, on a regular basis in your life. So you hear it. And then you, 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 you begin to, 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 to let it dwell on the inside. And you make it flesh. You make it a part of who you are. Let this word... This mustard seed, if you will, of the kingdom begin to have an impact in your life to such a degree that nobody can tell the difference between what Jesus would have been and who you are. This is what the kingdom is supposed to reflect in our lives. The relevance of Christ's rule in you. The kingdom principles of all that he is and all of his rulership reflected in people. It's supposed to go beyond principles. It's supposed to be that which is fleshed out in your life. I beg you, get in this word every day of your life. Every day of your life, get in this word. Do not let one 24-hour period pass from your, your, your life without getting in this Bible and letting it be a part of you. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed at his field. It's important that we take it, take it. And then it's important that we begin to, to utilize it. We take it and then we, we make sure we, we plant it well. You've got to release it. <laughs> oh, it's hard enough for most people to just want to receive it. But now you've got to tell people about it. And you don't feel like much of a preacher. I remember when my pastor asked me to give my testimony. I was 20 years old. I'd gotten born again in March of 1981. And two weeks later, he asked me to stand up at the student union at Indiana University on a wall in in front of a grassy area of which there are about 2,000 kids that eat lunch. And my voice could project. He said, I want you to get up there and tell uh, uh, tell them about what Jesus has done for you. I said, uh-huh. uh huh? Well, uh, 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 there are other, no, you do it. So I got up there and did it. I wasn't trained. He didn't tell me how to do it. And it was evident that I wasn't trained. After about two minutes, he grabbed my pants leg. He said, that's enough. And brought me down. I was real proud of my presentation, but it was terrible. But I was hooked. I was scared to death to minister but now I'm not I broke through a barrier in my life and I released some seed the sower first has to make sure that the word is in his life her life that it's actually producing something that you are making use of that which God gave you so that there is no distinction between what you say and what you do most of the world out there has a problem with the church they don't have a problem with Jesus they might but not so much as, as they do with the church and the primary reason they have a problem with the church is because of you and me there's so much we believe and say but there's very little that is consistent in our due and so they think why in the world would I ever go to church when I'm? I'm they're doing the same thing I'm doing They're no difference. They just happen to sing on a Sunday morning, and they listen to somebody talk, and they get a little happy. But on Saturday night, I was with them. Why would I do that? And so the inconsistency between what you believe, what you live, and what you say is great to them. And so we've got to have it down on the inside of each of us as we begin to go forward and, 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 and understand what it means to be good sowers. When we begin to release it, it means we're now going to break through all of our insecurities, break through all of our fears, and let Jesus come out of our mouth to somebody that might reject us, that might not like what we have to say. May I say with great confidence that the pastoral staff is not going to win Mandeville. New Orleans is not going to bow to their leadership. But it will to the churches, it will to the body of Christ that will go out and preach this gospel without fear. Paul said, pray that I might have the boldness to say about what God wants me to say as I ought. Now we think that's just an apostolic request for prayer. But that ought to be the prayer of every person who looks at themselves as an emissary of the kingdom. Everything about what you have received is that which you need to give. That which flows to you needs to flow through you. And so if we are going to be people that are more than just reservoirs, but rivers, then we have to take the principles of the kingdom we know best and make sure that they are flowing through us to people that don't know. Now, I am not an evangelist, but most people think I am. I win people to Jesus. I talk to, to unbelievers. I, 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 I approach strangers. I pray for servers in restaurants at people at the grocery store at the checkout aisle. I do all of that. Man, you just, you are, you're just strange. I don't know anybody who does this stuff. They think I'm an evangelist, but I'm not. I'm just a guy who's trying to make sure that the kingdom expands through my life because he has benefited me so much. And it has nothing to do with my profession. My church does not pay me to talk to a stewardess on the, a flight attendant on the plane. They don't pay me to talk to the person that's seated next to me. They pay me to pastor. Why in the world do I do all the other stuff? Because I'm a Christian. I'm a I'm a man that has had the seed sown in me and now it's my responsibility to make sure it flows through me. The sower went out to sow. He took the seed and he planted it in his garden. What do you do with the kingdom seed God has given you? What do you do? We're in the midst. I'm not quite sure what's what to call it but something's happening in our country all of us have seen the posts on social media and we've read things on on the internet God's doing something especially in the young people of our world it's stunning we've had trickles of it in our congregation a couple of weeks ago I my son who is the lead pastor of the church now I handed it over to him last year Uh, the worship was so dynamic he didn't even preach It went for an hour and a half just in the presence of God. And everybody walked out thinking, what was that? That was amazing. That was stunning. And nobody preached a word. Guidance was given and leadership was was there. But nobody got up with a Bible to give a message. It was um, God's doing something. And I, I don't want the church to be behind. I want us to be out in front. So what are you doing with the seed that God has sown in you? Secondly, the seed. Put the slide up, please. The mustard seed is really small. Is it up someplace? No? The mustard seed, there it is. That's how small a mustard seed is. Jesus said it's the smallest seed in the garden. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't find smaller seeds from other plants. But the point is that Mostly when you plant a garden, you don't see a seed this small. And yet, the size belies its power. You don't look at something and judge it by its appearance. If you do, you're going to miss out on what God's doing. The the seed of the kingdom can be very, very seemingly insignificant. It doesn't have to be huge and big. You don't have to have an angel that shows up to let you know how you ought to be. You don't need a visitation from Jesus. You don't need a big prophetic word from Pastor Jim Lefou. Everybody thinks I need something that's going to really let me know what I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to be. I need a sign from Almighty God. You just need a little word. You need to get in this Bible and let the the things that you think, your daily devotionals, that don't seem to be, you know, wow, spectacular, words jumping off the page, revelation pouring out of your soul. You just need the mundane, ordinary seed of God. And if it's planted in the right soil, It will do marvelous things beyond what you can ask or think. My born again experience was not very spectacular, pretty mundane. I was walking across a campus. A guy stopped me as I was walking over a bridge. He said, Hey, you a Christian? I was deeply offended that he didn't say hello. And my answer was this that depends on your definition. That's the wrong answer. And for the next 20 minutes, he gave me the right definition. I said, no, man, I'm undone. I'm not that. I'm not that. I subsequently gave my heart my heart to Jesus. This guy, he was very unassuming. There was nothing about him that was special. But he undid me just with the word. And it changed my life. And there's something about the the word of God, a word from God that can get down in somebody's soul and change everything about them. And I'm trying to encourage you now because I know to some of you, this is what has happened. I'm mimicking your story. It's a whole lot like what happened to you, what happened to me. But it's really important that it happens to somebody else. You don't have to be a preacher. You do not have to have all the verses. You don't have to know all the the lines and run into one another. One thought goes to another, to another. What you have to do is share your story. You've got one of those. You just need to rehearse it a little bit. Has God been good to you? Half of you. Has Has God been good to the other half? then you've got a story to tell somebody. And I'm begging you, develop the courage and bust through your fear and begin to sow this seed. It just takes a little bit. If only it's an answer to prayer that God gave you that you might be able to share with somebody. He says, if you you sow this seed, there's something in it that changes. Though it be small, small is big, small. Is big. And when it's sown in the right environment, when it's sown in a place where it can it can gather some some nutrients and be cared for. And, and, and may I say that this is also something that needs to be done in your behalf. That we not only need to sow it in good soil. Now and, and please understand good is relative. There's very very few places that are excellent soil. I plant a garden for my wife every year. It's her garden. it's my job. <laughs> and we've got 10 to 15 plants. It's not a little garden. it's you know, about 20 by 20. But it's work. We've got peppers, actually 25 by 25. We've got peppers, we've got tomatoes. We got onions, we got carrots, we got squash, we got zucchini. We got uh, we got watermelon, cantaloupe. We got a lot of stuff in there. And I hate it. <laughs> it would be enough if I just had to plant it. But every other day I got to go weed it. I got to take care of stuff that I didn't plant. I didn't put that dandelion in there. I didn't put that crabgrass in there. How did the crabgrass? I I uprooted. I turned over all the soil. One shovel load after another. I didn't use a a, a tiller, primarily because I did it on my property. My backyard, it, it nestles up to the woods. And all the trees, those that have been there 20, 30, 40 years, they know that there are good nutrients in the soil that I'm planting my garden in because I put fertilizer in it, and I water it. And so they send their root system to my garden every year. <laughs> every year. And every year there are roots at least an inch to two inches wide that I've got. And, and, and if you get a it tilt, it, it, it gets caught up in it. You can't do it. So I have to take one shovel load after another. It's an eight-hour process to do that. I ain't mad, I'm just just reporting. (laughs) No complaining here, just reporting. I still don't like it, though. I didn't plant those weeds. But I'm responsible to pull them out. If I don't want my plants to have to compete with other things that I don't want for nutrients. There is no great soil unless you create it. And the only way it can be created is by God. Because the soil of our heart is messed up. It's got rocks, it's got roots, it's got weeds, everybody does. So when Jesus said, when it comes into good soil, it's relative, it's relative. But he can make bad soil good. He can make okay soil great. And it's important that we submit ourselves to him because when he plants us in our soul, our soil is not very good. And we have to be diligent, vigilant, on a regular basis to make sure we are weeding not just not just trying to figure out how to how to how to, how to, how to keep the, the the good seed in our hearts, but we are weeding all the stuff out of our hearts that would compete and distract us from the things that are most important. And God wants us to make sure we are cultivating the environment. So say you want. And I've talked about you personally, but now let's let's extrapolate to your environment. Let let's just say you, you want to plant something in your, your your children's soccer team, and there you are with a mom watching the kids play. And she begins to talk to you. You talk to her. Life happens, and she shares that their marriage is going, through, isn't doing very well. And rather than you saying, "Oh, I'm sorry." You say, well, what can I do to help? How, how can I pray for you? And you pray for him right there. You don't push it a whole lot. You just offer a service. Next week, you come back, and there's another game, and she's sitting there, and you say, so how, how's, how's your marriage? Any better this week? Well, a little. Good. Maybe we can pray again together. Would you like to get together and do some study? I can help you with understanding what it means to be a wife, Would it, and, and, and maybe he might want to get together with my husband to talk about what it means to be a husband. My point is, you begin to take the seed you got and you plant it. And then in the process of planting, you begin to cultivate the environment so that the soil becomes more receptive to the seed. Are you listening to me? And generally speaking, people are in need. They want help. They put on this pretty happy face, but they are a mess. And so they need you to help them. You have to sow this seed well. And what happens is this, and I close. When the seed is planted, it said it becomes the largest tree in the garden, the most prominent thing in somebody's life, so that the birds of the air come to nest in its branches. you got to stretch you have to help them stretch. Once you start making this gospel available to others, you'd be surprised how busy, you'll, busy you will become as a minister. None of your other responsibilities will lighten up. You'll still have soccer practice. You'll still have to come to church on a regular basis, and you still gotta do your job in order to make money. But now you've got a Bible study on the side. You gotta stretch. Why? Because your branches have now allowed other people to rest. They they were flying around trying to figure out where can I light. But they found comfort in your stretching. Are Are you with me? This is the way the kingdom expands. And once people begin to nest in your branches. You want to come to my church? They got a lot of branches over there. It's a massive tree. It's it's like a redwood. It's like one of those in California that's 400 feet tall. And you can find a lot of help there. You plant the seed of the kingdom, and you watch it begin to grow through your life. And then you multiply it, and and by, by the time you get to the place where now you're at two or three Bible studies, somebody in the church wants to hire you. Say, you're too good at this. You need to be paid so you can do this full time. We don't have lay people doing this on a regular basis. And even if you don't want to be full time, you're not called. You are at least using the kingdom principle of planting seed that it might grow for God. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and grace. I'm asking that you would help us as a people to know what it means to hear your word about this kingdom principle. And use the seed of your word as that which can be planted in our soul and in the lives of others. Is there anybody this evening who has yet to give their heart to Christ? Maybe you've made a decision in the past, but your life now doesn't look anything like what Jesus wants it to be, and you want to make a change. If you fit in either of those categories, raise your hand high. Today is a great day to get right with God. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? You online, maybe you want to make a decision. I want to pray with you. Say, Father in heaven, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I've lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life jesus name amen if you prayed that prayer online somebody will be in contact with you if you'll go ahead and let folks know i imagine there's a check box someplace in there that says i gave my heart to jesus or i raised my hand we want to help you just help you understand what it means to walk right and have victory in this thing so you don't fail contact us please so that we can assist you in your walk with god church you're the best it's always great being with you bless you
0: Wow, what a powerful message. If you made the decision to follow Christ today, congratulations. This is the most incredible decision that you will ever make. And we're celebrating with you. Yes, the Bible says that today you're a new creation. You've been forgiven, you are loved, and you have been adopted into the family of God. It is such an amazing moment. We believe it's the best day of your life. And we can't wait as your church family to be able to walk alongside you in your new life with Jesus. Yes, we would love for you to share your story with us. And we wanna provide some incredible resources to help you in your new journey with Christ. And if you did make that decision, we would love to hear about it. Text the word decision to 822-822 or click the link in the chat. We would love to hear from you. Well guys, That, I think, wraps up our time for today. But next week, we are going to continue this new series, Parables, Life Lessons from Jesus. Man, it is going to be so, so good. I can't wait to see what Pastor Steve has in store for us. But listen, make sure you're here next week. Invite someone to come with you, and we can't wait to see you. Same time. Same place. Have a great week.